0: Creating and Rekindling Memories, NHR.
1: That is uh, Gladys Knight, along with her pips and a track called Landlord. Uh, we are talking to a landlord, and you all, it, it's always best to keep on the right side of the landlord, especially when he's still in the pub, anyway. Um, so the, there's a book out at the moment called The Bitterest PLC to Swallow, and it's written uh, by, as I mentioned before, Neil J. Moore. Neil, good morning, how are you? Good morning. I'm absolutely fine, thank you very much. Lovely, sir. Are, are you actually in
0: the pub at the moment? I am sat in my pub at the moment. We'll be opening up in about 30
1: minutes, yeah. Oh Lovely stuff, sir. Uh, right, so where, where, else is the pub located, by the way, the, the, the current pub that you're in?
0: I'm actually in Surrey, in a lovely little village called Banstead.
1: Ah, oh, gorgeous. And I imagine that the weather is... is... Getting nicer, is is it? Because it was a bit dull this morning. Well, the
0: sun is out at the moment. It's, oh. it's been raining all, all. All of last week it rained every day, but uh, we have the nice sunshine today. Yep. But, well, yeah, so we're looking
1: good. Well, you can't beat a pint in a pub with the sun coming down on you. So, now then, Neil, you were born in Worksop, as, as I mentioned before, so it's a little bit of a difference from Worksop and, and Surrey. Uh, but you've been in the pub trade for, for over 40 years now. Uh, I mean, what made you choose that vocation? Well, I didn't actually choose it, to be honest. I was in Works Up and
0: and I was 17 years old and my best mate, Pudding, was working in a pub called The Ship. And I went in there to see him because, because, well, I was looking, I always looked older than I was. I went in to see him in the pub and I realised that this pub was where all the girls were. So I started to be a glass collector in that pub. Next thing I
1: knew was I was a landlord. Simple as that. It's a big leap, isn't it? (laughs) From from going around and collecting glasses as a 17-year-old.
0: Uh, I just kind of found my steps straight away. Uh, I started off, uh, well, as a glass collector. Next thing I know, I was a supervisor, then I was a duty manager. Next thing I know, I was asked, would I go and look after this pub? Would I go and look after that, this pub? While people were on holidays. Next thing I know, was, yeah, full-time landlord. And and I've been doing it ever since.
1: So we, we, with a job like that then, what what sort of, I mean, the training today is probably a lot different to what it was when, when you first started. What sort of training did you have? Was it just sort of... You know, sort of on-the-job training, or, or what training did yeah, you it get? it was
0: mainly on-the-job. I had a, There was an amazing man called John Utley. He was a guy who kind of took me under his wing. He used to run a place called the DeRoad's Arms at Marlborough. And uh, and he took me, me under his wing, and he gave me all the guidance. But, yes, it was mainly on-the-job training. There wasn't all the kind of uh, online training, everything which you get now, which yeah. I... Which, whichever, well, all my team nowadays, they have to take... All, endless online training but, but, but kind of back in those days yeah it was all on the job it, it was it was boots boots on the ground you learn as you go along and it, and it was a fantastic industry to be in and it still is to be honest
1: well i mean what's your opinion on on that sort of training then because obviously it stood you in really good stead with you know sort of just being thrown in the deep end really uh do, do you think it's better uh to have an online training or, or just to be thrown in at the deep end same as you were
0: no, I think nowadays, it's, uh, the training systems are far, far better nowadays. I mean, we didn't have the health and safety training. We didn't have COSH and HACCP and all those things which keep people safe, which keep customers safe. We didn't have all those kind of training things back in those days. Well, not in the same kind of detail anyway. Nowadays, We train our staff to make sure that they are perfectly safe and also to make sure that our customers are perfectly safe. That's really, really important, and it's a vast, vast difference to 40 years ago when I joined
1: it. And, uh, I I mean, I I can remember when I used to go drinking this. This was about 40 years ago anyway. uh, Pubs then uh, were probably a more dangerous... I don't know. Were they a more dangerous place to to be in than, than today? Or how does it sort of compare Dangerous. Well, let's
0: give an example. Okay, so like, the book actually describes exactly what pubs were like 40 years ago. When you read the book, you'll will, you will literally be able to taste what it was like to be in a pub 40 years ago. So, like, can you imagine being in, in a pub? Like, there's 300 people, it's 35 degrees, like, 70% of people are smoking, and all there is is a one little three inch Expel Air fan in a window pane. Can you imagine that now in today's health and safety culture? I mean, pubs were actually horrendous when you think about it. Can you remember yeah, going, I do. going to the toilets in pubs back in the 1980s and holding your breath? Yes, Because that's I what it was like. It's not like that now. And that is the huge difference between what pubs were. But we look back at pubs and remember them with great fondness. And, and so we should do, because they were brilliant places to be. But they are much safer and much nicer now.
1: Uh, Unfortunately, there's less of them um, as as well. And uh, I I think it was that sort of banning on smoking inside that that actually not caused the death of pubs, but that, I think, caused the the lack of pubs um, nowadays. Do you agree with that?
0: Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate on this because in 2007, when the smoking ban came in, I took my pub at the time, which was the Masons Arms in Wickersley. I took it non-smoking before the ban came in, right? And and we did it on purpose, and we never looked back because when you actually looked at the demographics of people, right, the vast majority of people didn't smoke, and a lot of them didn't come to the pub because of the smoke. So, so I went no smoking two months before the ban came in, and we never looked back we took a huge amount of money, we took a huge leap forward because we embraced the ban, we
1: didn't fight it. See, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't go to pubs anymore and uh, it, it's sort of a, a bit foreign to me. I mean, I say that, but I, I go in now for just for a meal, uh, a drink. I don't I mean like I did sort of 40 years ago on a Friday, Saturday night, uh, you know, on, on a night out. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, they have changed an awful, awful lot. Now, you were told at school you wouldn't do well. You had dyslexia, you had a stammer, but that obviously was no barrier at all to you being the success that you'd become. I mean, how difficult did you find your school days?
0: Oh, my school days were horrific. Uh, I hated going to school every single day because back in those days, dyslexia uh, and dysgraphia, which is what I have, uh, wasn't actually recognised by the school. So, uh, So, of course, you were just literally given a dunce cap, sat in the corner and ignored. Uh, so, so yeah, well, I left school with virtually no education, and so I spent a career, a whole lifetime, reading books and educating myself, because that's all I ever wanted to do. I, I wanted to learn, but but the school did not help teach me. And I learned so much. But you know, living living in Nottinghamshire as I did, uh, playing around in, like, like in Clumber Park and Sherwood Forest, uh, I found great, great, great. Kind of inspiration learning about things like Robin Hood and the history of Nottingham and everything, this that, and the other. And because, kind of, uh, well, and of course, oh, <clears throat> opening brand new pubs in Nottingham was one of the best times of my life. I really, really enjoyed every minute I spent in Nottingham.
1: You see, you've got you've got to be pretty sharp to run uh, a, a pub you have. So, I mean, that obviously was absolutely no barrier to you. And, you know, you, you wouldn't be the success that you are today uh, if yeah if that had have been describe. And, and this is probably and um, and I'm not going to probably get an answer to this but describe an average day as a pub landlord is there such a thing as an average day what what time do you start not in the really. morning really
0: every Every day is different. Every day is different. I mean, uh, today I will spend an awful lot of my day shuffling through paperwork. Then I've got to make sure everybody's having their, their fantastic Sunday lunch really, really well. And then hopefully I'll get finished in the early evening and I'll probably nip out for a curry. But that will be my day. Tomorrow morning I'll be at work at 6.30 for the beer delivery tomorrow morning to make sure that everybody's got drinks for the rest of the week. Uh, and then my day will finish... at uh, and around, around tea time, and, well, i will just get ready to start it all again. Every day I'm serving people. Every day I'm doing footwork. Every day I'm looking after my team. But every day is just about one job. I've only got one job, and that is to make people happy. And that is what I do seven days a week.
1: And you do a great job of it as well. Uh, over the years, uh, you'll have made many friends through customers. Uh, but then there's the other side of the coin. Tell us about some of the, the scariest moments as a pub landlord.
0: Well, um, there's one kind of uh, time which I remember very, very well. Uh, well. Well, I was I was working in Manchester and I was running a fantastic bar called RSVP on Dean's Gate. Very, very, very busy cafe bar. Anyway, I looked over and there was a man in a beautiful suit stood on a coffee table dancing, showing off to some girls. So I walked over to the coffee table and I just said to him, excuse me, today, would you mind stepping down? And he, and he looked at me. He opened his suit jacket and he had a small submachine gun oh
1: my God. under his jacket. And I just
0: stood there and I just said, with all my training, I just said, excuse me, sir, I will give you 10 minutes before I call the police. I turned around and I, and I began to walk away. I literally had to fight my instinct not to run. But, but I didn't run. And about a minute later, I looked back and he, luckily he had gone. He had left. But I did call the police. Of course I did. But yeah, that was a very, very scary moment.
1: I, I imagine as well, and I I can also imagine that there's plenty of stories like that in the book as well. Uh, so t- tell us about the book. What can we, what you know, what what's the book all about? We, we know it's about uh, sort of the pub trade, um, but but what what's in there? What's in the book?
0: Well, the book is all about. It is it is describing pubs from the 1980s to how they are now. It's going to tell you about the journey of how the pub industry got taken over by money people. So when I started working. I started working for Sam Whitbread. Right? He was still the chairman of the board, so it was still a family company. Then suddenly, in the 90s, along came the money and the financial institutions. And they started to take the money out of the industry. And then, then along came the brands. Now brands, right? You know, the same kind of pub you see in every single town. People in Newcastle don't want the same things that the people in Maidstone want. People in Nottingham don't want the same people that people want in Somerset. Uh, 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 But brands give you only one thing. So I've kind of described what has changed so much within the industry uh, and why it's changed and why it's all become about the PLC, the shareholder. It's no longer family-owned industry anymore now. It's just about returning money to the shareholder. I also describe it as very, very funny and, well, graphic ways how life is to work in pubs from the 1980s to how it is now, and how these companies, with their huge glass complex of head offices, why there is more managers now, I, you know, than there is actually landlords. When I was working for Green King at the end, I, I had... I must have had 50 different managers, you know, who were were all my bosses. I didn't know what most of them did. 40 years ago, I had one boss. I had an area manager who used to go around and speak to me once a week. Uh, So uh, I don't know what happened, but it's no longer an industry for being kind anymore. Whereas where I do now, I'm still a landlord. I look after my local community, I look after my local people, I look after my staff, and we don't have an ever-ending tier of bosses within these PLC companies. I'm just explaining what it is like to work in purpose. I also tell people, sorry, the youngsters who read this book, how to not fall into the wages trap. There are so many ways that these huge companies play tricks on, on on their own workers to reduce their level of wages. And I tell you how not to fall for that trap and to protect your own pocket from these greedy, greedy shareholders. I'll
1: tell you what, it, it sounds a fascinating book, and I, I can't wait to read it. Where can people get hold of the book uh, now it's actually out?
0: You can get it from Amazon, you can get it from Waterstones, w h Smith, uh, mainly online, of course. You can get it anywhere. It's also available as an audiobook as well.
1: Brilliant, story. I tell you what, I, I, I've got a bit of, uh, I've, got, I've got a bit of spare cash, so I think I might be going on Amazon uh, to to order that book sometime you tonight. Will, as well.
0: I, I guarantee you, you will laugh, you will cringe, but you will literally be able to be able to taste the pubs from the nineteen eighties when you read it.
1: I, well, I am really looking forward, because I mean, I, I've been sort of, well, I've, I have started going in pubs around about 20 odd years ago, uh, and I've also done quite a bit of work in pubs with, uh, as a mobile dis, uh, DJ. Uh, so you, you do get to see an awful lot of, of how people act you and react. You were looking at some
0: of my pubs. I used to run the Salutation on, on May Barrier Way. Oh, yeah, I know that, yeah.
1: Or yeah, knew it, anyway. Yeah,
0: yeah, I used to run that. I opened both casas. So the casa on Trialane Lane and the one on yeah. Bridge. I opened both of those. I also opened the hogshead uh in the middle of the city as well.
1: There you go. You see we can find out yeah. more about this uh and, and all the other pubs uh, that Neil's been involved in uh just by getting the book. The book is called uh The Bitterest PLC to swallow. Uh it's out now, it's on Amazon and, and everywhere that you want to go. And uh where can people find out more about about you and the book?
0: Well, uh I don't know whether they can find out about about me. Uh, I've got a Facebook page, of course, uh, but but yeah, uh, if you want to know, anything, well, really, you know anything about me, just read the book. It tells you my whole life story within that book, and my life story within the pubs. And I believe you or me, you you will laugh.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to treat myself to the book um, I'm going to order it from Amazon because I, I love a good book and this sounds like an amazing book. Uh, Neil, thank <laughs> you so much for joining us and telling us a little bit about the book uh, and about your past as well. I shall let you get back to, to get those doors open so that uh, the Happy punters will be in and let that sunshine stream in as well. Have a great no Sunday, problem. Neil. And uh, you never know, we might even see you back in Nottingham sometime.
0: Thank you very much. It's been a
1: pleasure. Thank yeah. you. Cheers, Neil. Bye-bye. Did you know that Nottingham Hospital Radio is a registered charity? As a result, we rely on people like you to donate to it. All our members are committed volunteers who run the service for the benefit and entertainment of the patients in the Queen's Medical Centre and City Hospitals. Research has shown that listening to Hospital Radio can positively benefit a patient's recovery and we think it's a very worthwhile thing to do. Donating to NHR is easy and rewarding, so please log on to nhradio.org.uk and go to the Donate page. That's nhradio.org.uk slash donate. You'll be glad you did, and thank you.